1: or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
0: I am here today. Some of you, if you weren't here last Sunday, you don't know what I'm talking about. But last Sunday, we came to you via DVD as I was in Disney World last week. Wow, it was busy in Disney World. I didn't even get to say hey to Mickey Matz. It was crazy. One ride we waited about two and a half hours for. Another one we turned away when we saw the wait line was 240 minutes. That's four hours for a ride. So we just waved at that one and said, hey, we'll buy the brochure and just say we went. And, um, but we had a wonderful time with mum and dad. My sister and her husband were there and their kids. And we just had a great time together. So we really enjoyed that. 2011. 2011. Can you believe it? Where did the year go? Time is flying by. And that's why in God's word, it tells us these words. In Ephesians 5, verse 5 or 15 and 17, it says these words, See then that you walk, say with me, circumspectly. I like that word, circumspectly. I mean, it's got a good ring to it. Come on, say it one more time with me. Circumspectly. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means to walk carefully, to be careful how you walk. It means to cautiously or sensitively walk just as a person who's going over a pile of thorns or a thorn bush. You know, you kind of watch where you put down just a little bit. So the word of God tells us walk carefully. Look what it says. Not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time. Say with me, making the best of the time. Come on, making the best of the time. That's what it means to redeem the time, making the best of every day we live. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of unwise decisions, choices, And said a whole lot of unwise words in my life. Miss Deborah's amen and me in the front corner. Thank you. Come on. How many would agree with me on those things? That there have been some stupid moments that you look back and say, My Lord, whatever was I thinking? Come on, help me out in the house today. They have played out in my words. And they have played out in my actions and through my life. And when I read scriptures like this, that time is short. I begin to reconsider then what I'm doing. I just read the other day in the word of God where the word came from the prophet that said, consider your ways, consider your ways. And I believe it's a word from God that we need to consider our ways. Time is short. What are we doing with the time that we have left? We know the world is becoming more and more evil all around us. And the Bible says, "Walk circum- circumspectly, why as fools redeeming the time? Why? Because the days are evil. But what is our response? A lot of people's response to what's going on around is, "Oh my, what are we going to do? Oh no, it's over. Come on. Our response needs to be greater than ever that we stand. We put our shoulders back. And we lift our heads up high and we say, no matter what, we are trusting God. The God that has never let us down and the God that will never let us down. Come on, I don't know what your response is today, but it's time to dig in. It's not time to run back. Come on, it's time to dig in. And as we shared last Sunday morning, it's time to take a step. Come on, you maybe don't know what the next step is, but just take that step and have faith in God and trust in Him. Why? Because I don't know how. But I know He can. And let me add another bonus for you. And I know he will. Come on, I know he will. I know in whom I serve and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Thank God. This morning, I believe each one of us stand on a threshold of a new season for our lives. And I'm not just talking about a new year as a calendar day. I believe we stand in a new threshold of a new day. That it's a time where we can take back what's yours. It's time to take back what's mine. It's time to take back those things that Satan has taken from us. And we stand, I believe, at the doorway of a new season. As we stand literally one day away from our 21-day annual corporate church fast. For most of you, when you hear those words fast, you just shut off straight away. Oh, I can't do that. Perhaps for many of you, you've never even considered or you haven't considered joining us in the fast up till now. We're going to change your thoughts today, because I want you to hear the words that I would say today. But, you know, I don't only ask you to hear the words that I say today, I ask that you would heed to the tugging of God's presence upon your spirit as he moves you this morning, because I believe that there is something of greatness that can be found when we separate our lives, when we seek God with our total being. I like what Kayla said today. Well, I don't like it, but I like what she said. I don't like the fact that we add God to our lives. I don't like that, that we just include him and we give him the leftovers of our lives. He desires our total being. And I believe this is a way. Fasting and prayer, seeking God, that we can reprioritize our lives. That we can put God at the top of the pile again. That we can say, God, you're our number one. You're the most important thing to me. And I believe this can be a new day and will be a new beginning for each one of you. If it wasn't something of great worth, listen, I wouldn't waste your time. I have 52 opportunities a year to speak to people. It's like a prize fighter going in a, in a ring. I've got 52 rounds of a fight every year. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to waste around because I know the opponent that we're fighting against. Come on. He seems to be getting stronger and stronger, but that's only the appearance he gives. Come on. He's getting weaker and weaker. His days are getting shorter and shorter. But it's time for us to fight. So if I didn't believe there was worth for you, for your family, for your finances, for your future. Come on. There's so many other things that I would talk about because I don't want to waste your time. I'm glad you come to a church where your time is not wasted. There's a lot of fluff and a lot of stuff out there. Come on, I want to hear what God's Word says because it's only God's Word that's going to change my life. But I believe what you're going to hear today is really of that importance to your life. Just because you haven't fasted before doesn't mean you can't fast now. Every one of us, I believe, can do something. On Wednesday, we began by laying a foundation of teachings when it came to fasting, basically answering three main questions, but also taking other questions from others who asked. But the three main areas or the questions we took on Wednesday night was, what type of fast? We hear this a lot. What type of fast? There really, biblically, there are three types of fast. Let me just recap really quickly. There is the absolute fast, which is, as it says, it is an absolute fast, which is nothing by math. No food, no liquids. Now, this is not a fast that is recommended. Okay, And if you do want to do this fast, you cannot sustain this fast for a, per- for a long period of time. It's not healthy to do that for a long period of time. The second type of fast is the normal fast, which is one where you just drink water. And if you need to, then you would take a broth or you would take a fruit juice To supplement your strength. That is the absolute fast. And then there's the partial fast that can be interpreted in many different ways. For some people, they may go without food all day and just eat at night. For some people, they, they may choose the Daniel fast. That's what I like on the partial fast, which is no breads, no meats and no sweets. And in my book, I've listed down all the foods that you can and cannot eat during that fast. And it's a very healthy fast. So when you talk about fasting, there's different methods or plans of attack that you can take. Fasting is not just going without food, period. But I will say this, if it doesn't mean something to you, it's probably not going to mean something to God. So we've said this so many times, but if you don't like broccoli, don't fast broccoli for 21 days. Because it's not really meaning nothing to you. I heard someone say to me once, Pastor P, I'm fasting breakfast every day of the fast. I said, that's great. Do you usually eat breakfast? No. That's not a fast. Come on. That's just doing normally what you normally do. Come on. Fasting is stretching yourself a little bit above and beyond what you would usually do. The second question we answered was, how long should I fast? Again, that's between you and God. But corporately as a church, we're encouraging everyone, if possible, to come on a 21 day fast with us. We're believing for great things on the 30th of January, the last day of the fast. We're going to have a miracle healing service where we're going to see this place packed from front to back. We're going to see people in this place get set free and touched and bondages released. We're going to see breakthroughs and miracles, addictions. We're going to see families put together. Come on, we're going to see the miraculous. We're going to see your kids, your husband, your wife, your aunts, your uncles, your grandkids, your neighbors, the people you work with. We're going to see their lives touched and changed. Why? Because you're going to bring them here. And they're going to be in an environment where God's spirit is going to move. So how long? You pray about it. But as a church, we're going for 21 days. And what should I expect? I had everyone laughing on Wednesday. A lot was my answer. Expect a lot. Um, But really, in the sense of physical response, you know, you talk about that. You're going to be tired. You're going to be sluggish. You're going to have some headaches as your body detoxes itself. But it's healthy for you. And it's going to be good For you. So unfortunately, you know, many don't even consider fasting because of the many misconceptions that is surrounded it. But there is a great truth in fasting, I believe, that you must discover. Here's what fasting is, okay? In the simplest way, this is a statement of what fasting is. Fasting is this, refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. That's what fasting is. Refraining from food or something for a spiritual purpose. I love what our kids are doing. Some of our kids are fasting their playstations. They're fasting their bikes. They're fasting stuff that's important to them. And we're teaching them what it is to fast. We're not just saying do this. We're telling them why they should do it. And I appreciate Rich and Sherry. And I appreciate Sarah and the ones who are leading our young people. That they are instructing them in the right way. So we're looking. But it's refraining from food or things for a spiritual purpose. Purpose, And as we've discovered, it's not always all food. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Such as in the Daniel fast. So what is the spiritual purpose? Each one of you today has specific needs, very specific needs and desires that you have for your life, for your family, for your circumstances. And I believe that fasting will bring you personally to a more in-depth, intimate relationship with God that will result or it will manifest itself in numerous ways, such as breakthroughs, such as salvations, such as new direction for your life, such as healing. There's a lot of people I know in this place right now that need a physical healing. Fasting, not only because of the spiritual purpose of it, but also from the physical results of it, can be a tool to bring healing to a body. Just going without food and eating the right foods and and detoxing your body can bring healing. Listen to me, blood pressure can be reduced. There's so many benefits physically as well as spiritually that can come as a result of you setting aside this time and believing God for absolute miracles in your life. You see, when we fast, we place God and the things of God as a greater priority than the things of this world. Here's a powerful statement I want you to remember. Fasting doesn't bring God closer to you. You don't manipulate God by fasting, saying, God, I'm fasting, so come over here, buddy. But you know what fasting does? Fasting moves you closer to Him. Come on. Fasting moves you closer to Him. Turn with me to Psalms 42, verse 1 through 3. I read this on Wednesday night, but let me just read it quickly again. The title of this psalm is Yearning for God in the Midst of Distress or Distresses. David says these words in verse 1 of Psalms 42, as the deer pants or literally longs for The water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have become my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Has Satan used those words against you? Where is your God? If God really cared about you, if God really was there, then why would you go through? Come on, Satan uses those words. Others use those words to taunt us from what? To turn away from the truth of God's words. Where is our God? You see, in the midst of total distress, as David was, despite everything that was happening around him, and even what he felt within himself. You know, the biggest struggle that we have is not without, but within. The biggest struggle we have is not the people we work with or our families or our neighbors or, or the debt collectors who are coming after money. That's not the biggest fight that we have. The biggest fight we have is within us. Joyce Myers said it so well. It's the battlefield of the mind. Satan wants to come in and control our thoughts to consume us from the inside out. And David is realizing there's attack from the out, but there's also a warfare that's going on within him. He realized the attack from without and the attack with from within was affecting his life. And therefore, he's taken a stand and he's coming against it. And how did he come against it? What is the cry that he has? There was a cry that came from within him. A cry from for God. And there was a cry within David that cried out and said, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I've got to have you intervene and move in this situation. Come on, where's our cry gone? Come on, where has our cry of desperation to God gone? We now cry and go to every other source apart from the one source. Come on, we turn to a bottle, whether it's alcohol or pills. Oh, just take a few of these and you'll sleep every night. Just take a few of these and this will happen and that will happen. No, all what happens is you are now chemically dependent upon that drug for the rest of your life. There is no solution that's come. There's just another problem. You're an addict. Come on, I'm not being unkind today. If medically you need those things, then that's fine. But doctors today, when people have a rough day and they go, they are so quick to subscribe their medications for depression. And all the oh, you're depressed. No, that's just life. It has its ups and downs. Come on now. Life has its ups and downs. I don't need a pill to wake me up in the morning. Come on, that's not my source. Come on, say amen in the house. Or say oh my, or whatever today. Come on, I don't need that. But yet we turn to that source. What we need is not found on a couch. Laying there and being asked a question. So how does that make you feel? It's not found in relationships with others. It's not found or solved with more money. Well, if I just had more money, then all my problems would be solved. Listen, you don't solve money problems with money. So if you've got money problems, your answer is not money problems. You need to or money. Your answer is you need to learn how to handle money. You've got problems that money won't solve. It just create a bigger problem because you'll spend more. So we go to every other thing instead of the source. We run to everything else. But I thank God that we can look in the word and we can see examples from people like David that knew what it was when everything else was falling around. There was something that they knew they could turn to. There was someone who promised to be a rock, a fortress, a strong tower, a deliverer, and whom we could run to. Come on, it's time to run to God with everything that we have and cry out and say, God, my family may be sick, but God you're able. My finances may be in a mess, but God, there's a cry of desperation that's coming within me that I'm not going to be denied. Satan has robbed from me long enough. I'm taking back what's mine. Come on, enough is enough, devil. You've taken from me. I'm taking a step of faith and I'm crying out to God. Jessica said she was going to test my blood pressure after church this morning. I said, you should have checked it before church, before I preached. Come on, I'm passionate about what I'm saying today because I know it works. I know it works. David had such a passion from God for, for God that every one of us needs to discover. It wasn't because he was perfect, because he wasn't. In fact, he probably did a lot worse stuff than most of us have done. So I don't know how many people in here have murdered someone. I don't know how many people in here have committed adultery. I don't know how many people have done things like David did. But you know what? He knew where his help came from. He wasn't perfect, but he knew where to turn to. It's what I love about David. Read Psalms 91. When he cries out to God, there's no perfection. He says, he knows his sin. He says, blot out my transgressions. Remove all that filth from me. But he cries out to God and he says, God, create a clean heart. God, make me pure before you again. As I believe we desire and we find new passion for God. We will see our lives step into a new level of intimacy. We will see the countless rewards of blessings that follow such a life and that will change our whole perspective and our whole outlook on life. Because we'll have a new perspective of God. We'll see Him in a new way. We'll know Him. We'll regard Him in a new way. But also we'll have a new perspective of how we will view ourselves and the circumstances of our lives. You see, when we change the circumstances of our life automatically change. Fasting, I truly believe, is a secret source of power that is overlooked by so many. I've said this many times before, but every breakthrough and every miracle has its birthing place. Every assignment has to have a starting point. When God has placed a dream inside of you that only He can make possible, we need to seek Him to make that dream to become a reality for our life. The, dis- the discipline of fasting which I believe that you see from God's word, releases the anointing, the favor and the blessing of God in the life of every Christian. I believe these next 21 days will be a birthing point, a time of birthing for every one of you. What do you need God to do for you? What is it the dreams that he's given to you that they still lay dormant and you haven't seen them fulfilled? What is it that your cry has been? Come on, I believe that there is going to be a birthing. I believe that there is going to be a springing forth. I believe that there is going to be an awakening like never before, that we're going to see those things come into being. Ephesians 3 and verse 20 reveals to us God's ability to, In regards to our desires, in regards to our needs and our wants and into our longing for God. It reveals to us what can happen when we have that hunger for God. Look what it says in Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him. Notice that word is capitalized. Why? Because it's speaking of God. Now to God. Who is Able. Come on, say that with me. Who is able? God is able. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. According to that verse there, the Bible tells me that there's an available power within each and every one of us that can make the impossibilities become possible, that can make those things beyond our wildest dreams come into reality. You know what that power is? It's God. It's Jesus Christ. It's His power that wants to move inside of us. But how sad is it that so many Christians have the potential of the power within them, but yet they never release it into their lives how many people of you today are sitting there with the potential of the power of God that will change your family your workplace come on don't limit god god can do miraculous things with someone who will just cry out and say god i need you i want everything that you have for my life there is a potential inside of each one of us it can set our schools and our colleges on fire it can start a revival in Baton Rouge we can see the miraculous take place. It's time to release that power. The power that God says all things are possible. All we have to have is the faith to believe. Under your chair or around your chair today is a card. and You can grab a hold of it if you want. And I don't want you to fill it out right now. But at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to fill it out. On that card, I want you to fill out what you are praying and believing God for over the next 21 days. For some of you, you may need to turn it over. For some of you, you may need to write really small because some of you have got a lot of things that you're asking God to do. At the end of the service, we're going to come corporately to the front and we're going to lift those needs up to God and we're going to pray. And then what we're going to do is we're going to lay those needs on the altar. We're going to leave them with God. And then what we're going to do is we're going to transfer those things and we're going to put them on our prayer wall. That's our prayer and fasting wall over there. And there's other cards that are going to be available on that table. And what we're going to do is we're going to pin up those needs. So when we have special prayer times and during every service that we have during the fast, we're going to all corporately turn and we're going to stretch our hands and we're going to pray over every need, believing for God. Now, if you've got personal needs and needs that you don't want people, fold that piece of paper in half and we'll pin it up on the wall as is. But you don't have to write your name on there. You can write the names of people you're praying and believing for if that's the case. But again, if it's something personal, that you don't want read out, God knows. Just fold it over and leave it on the altar and we'll make sure it gets transferred over there. But what is your deepest need for God? What is that which you are reaching out to Him for? Perhaps out of reach from you right now, but not out of reach from Him. As a child in Sunday school, we were taught that God's telephone number was Jeremiah three three three. I've called that number many times in my life. You know what Jeremiah thirty three and verse three tells us? Call to me. Call to me. That call does not imply a casual call like hey we see the type of call that it is in Matthew chapter 7 where it says, ask and it seek and you shall find. Knock. There's a continual asking. There's a continual seeking. The cry or the call from God is literally not casual, but it gets the attention of that which it is requesting from. It's a call that catches the ear of God. It's like Bartimaeus' call. Remember that call? The call of a former blind man? We're going to visit that in a few more moments. But Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, call unto me and I will answer you. Man, you should be shouting right there. That is awesome. And I will. These are God's words. These aren't Pastor P's words. These aren't made up words from man. These are God's word. God says, you call out to me and I've got your answer and I will show you. Some of us need to be shown some stuff. God says, I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Here's the promise from God today that I want you to grab a hold of. When we call upon him, he will answer us in the ways or in ways that will literally astound us. The words mighty things there can be translated or should be translated inaccessible. So God says, call unto me and I will show you, or I'll answer you, and I will show you great and inaccessible things, things out of reach. Come on, how many has some things right now that are out of reach from you? Come on, you're looking and you're saying, I don't know how, but what? We're not going to end the statement right there, but we're going to realize that he can. I don't know how, but I know he can and I know he will. But there are things that are inaccessible, out of reach. But when we call out to God, listen, this is the promise. Those inaccessible things become accessible that God makes them available to us. So we're believing for God to do those mighty things in your life this year as you make the commitment to fast and to seek him with your entire being. I believe that those things that are out of reach right now are going to become reachable and obtainable. And there's going to be testimony after testimony of people that said, God came through. God came through. So, quickly this morning, I want to give you three key points that I believe will help you in your fast. Point number one, and the most important point, I believe, of fasting, and that is this what is my motive? What is my motive? Why am I fasting? This is the first question you must ask, and I believe you must have the answer to it. What's my reason behind this sacrifice? Because that's what it is it's a sacrifice. It's not a good enough motive to fast just because the church is fasting. That should inspire you, but you've got to have your own motive. You can't just fast, well, because the church is doing it for 21 days. I'm just going to. You've got to have your right motive. Here's perhaps the best thought when we look at motive, and that is, why would I fast? And this is the question I've asked myself. What do I see at the other end of the fast? If I'm going to fast, I'm fasting because what do I see taking place? What is it that I need God to do at the other end of the fast? As people have been asked, and we've asked several people, you know, why are you fasting or, or are you fasting? You know, the joke has been, yeah, and they'll hit their gut and they'll say, yeah, I'm looking forward to fasting because I could lose some of this. You, you'll lose some weight. But that's not the right motive for fasting. You can just have as great results and achieve the same dieting. Yes, it detoxes your body, which we've talked about, which is really healthy for you. But that's not truly what fasting is about. I pray that today you know there's more for your life, that God has more available for you. Are you content to go through another year the same way you did last year? Are you content to stay in the same place that you have been at, Or is your motive, your desire, your drive for more of God? There is an assignment for your life. There's a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. There's things that God desires to release. I truly believe this into your life. So what's your motive? What's your why? What's your drive? Motive is important. Because I believe without the right motive, you won't make it through because you're going to be hungry. There's going to be hard days. It's going to be a struggle. And without the right motive, without the right goal, without the right drive. You're going to relinquish to those sources, those outside pressures. And you're going to give in. It's important. Perhaps the best way I can explain motive is this. Your motive is like the goal. That, you will, that will enable you to push through all the struggles. My motive, that goal that is pushing me through. The second thought as we look at fasting is this, what are my needs? What are my needs? What are those specific things, those requests, those dreams that I am asking God for? What is it that I am truly longing for in my life? What are the ways, the areas, the circumstances that I must see God move in? Throughout the entirety of God's word, we will discover that those who fasted, fasted for specific needs and reasons. There were needs. There were times of great urgency, where they were, if God didn't move, they would have been destroyed as they were surrounded. Cities and nations were surrounded and they fasted and they cried out to God and God gave them the instruction. I love the one in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I believe it is, where Jehoshaphat, they were surrounded and they cried out to God and, and he called a corporate fast and God says, don't worry, I'm with you. And as the musicians went out and they began to sing and began to praise God, the Bible says that God sent ambushes against the enemy, that the enemies began to kill themselves. And it took them days to plunder the enemy, to recover all the spoil from the enemy. They didn't even have to fight. God fought for them. But how did that direction come? When they fasted, when they cried out, when they sought God in their lives, they needed answers. They needed direction. They needed strength. They needed deliverance from God. And when they fasted and cried out, God met their every need. What do you need? What is it you need? Earlier, I talked about Bartimaeus' cry. As a result of that cry, I believe we have one of the most powerful questions that has ever been posed in this whole world that came as a result of Bartimaeus's cry. Remember the people around him said, you're foolish. There's going to be people around you that's going to say, that's foolishness. I mean, going without is never going to help you. There's going to be people that don't understand, but that's okay. You're doing it for a spiritual purpose. You've got a motive. You've got a goal that you're going for. There's needs in your life that you believe in God. But really, ultimately and truly, the greatest need you have is you just want a more in-depth relationship with God. Bartimaeus, be quiet. But yet, because of his cry, there was a question that was given to him. Jesus said to Bartimaeus these words in Mark 10, verse 51. Jesus answered and said to Bartimaeus, What is it you need me to do for you? That is the most loaded question that has ever been asked on the face of this earth. What is it you need? Do you realize that day Bartimaeus could have asked for anything and God would have given it to him? Do you realize that? He could have asked for anything that day and God would have given it to him. God didn't say, hey, whatever you need, here's the boundaries. God says, what is it you need me to do for you? If Bartimaeus would have said, I want to be the richest man on the face of the earth, bam, he would have had that that day. But he would have still been blind. His need would have not been met. Come on. His great need would not have been met. You see, here's the thought that we've got to have. There's a question that God has for for every one of us. But that day he could have asked for anything and it would have been granted to him. But you know what? Jesus already knew his need. But he was waiting for blind Bartimaeus to say it. Request it. Ask it. Matthew 6 verse 8 shows us this. Your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. But what are the first six words in that verse? It says, therefore, do not be like them. Who are the them? It was the ones, if you would read earlier in that passage, that were crying out and they were making a spectacle. And what were they doing? They were asking for things for their own gain. They were asking for things just to benefit their lives. Just selfish requests. Because they were asking with wrong motives. You see, that's why motive is so important. If you ask, if you, if you don't have the right motive, you'll ask for the wrong things. What does James 4 verse 3 says? You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Did you hear me? It's possible to ask amiss, to ask wrong. Because what does wrong motive do? Wrong motive asks for things that will be spent on your own pleasure. It's about you. It's only about you. Well, I hate to tell you this, it's not about you. You see, right motive will produce right desires, right needs. Wrong motive will produce wrong desires. Be careful in what your needs are. It's all right to want a new home. It's all right to want a new car. It's all right to want a new job. But they are Also, things that you can live without. But what about those things that you can't live without? You see, the importance of right motive going back again is this. Right motive will always ask for things that will further God's kingdom here on this earth. Right motive will always ask for things that God will get the glory in. Now, that doesn't mean you won't benefit from them because you will. But God gets the glory too. be specific with those things. Don't be afraid to ask God, but ask him from a right motive. And lastly, this morning. Again, just as important, I believe. What is my plan for God? During the fast, we've got our plan. We've got our needs. But what about God? What about God? After all, isn't that what fasting is about? Seeking Him? I've got my plan. I've got my motive. But what am I going to give God during the fast? You see, we've got to remember the key point of fasting is not fasting. It's prayer. The key point of fasting is not fasting. It's prayer. Fasting unaccompanied by prayer and the Word of God is just dieting. And that's not our goal. Our goal of fasting is for spiritual purposes. During the fast, we must take time to get into God's Word. We must set aside time to pray. We must have a time of praise and worship. You must fill yourself with spiritual food. I believe it's a good idea to establish a place where you go to get alone with God. A place where you can go and pray because prayer is crucial during the fast to see breakthroughs and hear what the Lord is saying to you. You see, we get it so wrong and I haven't got time today, but we've got prayer so wrong because prayer is not, if we have 30 minutes of prayer, it's not 30 minutes of us talking. Prayer is conversation. God wants to speak to you during your time of prayer. Maybe some of you need to shut up when you're praying. God says, oh man, I was going to tell you some great stuff, but you wouldn't stop long enough for me to listen. That's why I believe it's good and we've given you this journal that it's good to journal down those things because as you begin to write them down, God can begin to speak into your spirit and speak into you. Establish a place where you can get alone with God. I like to during lunchtime or when I would eat, I like to use that time to set aside and read the word and feast on the word of God and just to pray and to use that time in that manner. Remember, closeness with God should be your ultimate goal. And that only comes through spending time with Him. If all you're doing is fasting and you haven't prayed once, come on, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Spend time with God. Get in praise and worship. Get a great CD in your car and just worship. Let the people around you think you're crazy when you're driving to work, that tears are rolling down your face. But remember this, don't close your eyes when you're driving your car, please. (laughs) Don't get so lost in God that you close your eyes. Because the next thing will probably meet you is not the pearly gates, but an airbag in the face. Get alone with God in praise and worship. Get alone with God in prayer. Get into His Word. For some of you, you perhaps haven't read the Word. Begin to read God's Word. Begin to ask Him to show you things in His Word. Don't just open your Bible and point. Works sometimes for some people. Oh God, what do you want to say to me today? Oh, I don't like that one, God. <laughs> oh God, that's for my neighbor. Oh, that's a good one. And he will give me those things which I've asked for. Praise God. I'm not making fun of the fact that God won't speak to you through his word. But read it. Some people say, I haven't heard from God lately. Well, that's fine. Read it. Read it. You see, during this fast, your rewards must or your focus must be on the rewards. And not on the sacrifice. I've heard people talk, oh, yeah, for 14 days now I haven't eaten. And they're having this big conversation comparing who's fasting the best. I've got an A plus and you've got a B minus. I mean, is that really what it's about? You see, when you've got right motive, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. All that matters is what you're doing with God. You shouldn't have to discuss. In fact, someone asked me a question, what do you do? Do you discuss? The Bible says that you don't go openly and discuss and tell everyone you're fasting. And can I give you another word from the word of God? Don't look miserable and depressed because that's what God's word says too. Don't walk around with a long face and miserable and depressed and bite everyone's head off and they ask, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm fasting to get closer to God. I mean, what a great testimony that is. They'll probably start fasting with you that you will get closer to God real quick because they can't handle you as you are. Your focus must be on the rewards. Again, that's why you've got to have right motive. That's why you've got to have those needs, those things. And that's why you've got a purpose, what you're going to give to God. I know today that every one of you can do a part and play a part. I know that every one of you can make it through. I remember it wasn't long ago that I thought there was no way I could do it. But God supernaturally gave me the strength to make it through. And there were times when in my weakness, I wanted to say enough is enough. But you know what? I would remind myself of those things I was believing God for. And those things were just more important to me than just satisfying the flesh. Come on, there was a cry from my spirit man that cried out, God, I need you. David said this, my tears have been my food night and day. What was he saying those words for? Because he was fasting as he was crying out to God. As we close, let me give you eight last minute checklist or an eight, eight part checklist to help you. And we're going to be talking more about fasting on, on Wednesday and next Sunday as God leads us. But let me give you quickly eight points that will really help you. Write these down. Number one, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Try and eliminate distractions. Listen, if you're on a fast, probably the best thing you can do is not sit every night for five, six hours and watch the TV. Because when you do watch the TV, you're going to discover there's more food commercials on there than you have ever discovered before. And foods that you didn't even appeal to you before are now jumping out of the screen and and calling your name. But guard your heart. Watch the conversations. Watch the atmosphere. Watch the places that you find yourself in. Watch the people that you're maybe associated with. Number two, keep a journal. Journal your prayers, your thoughts, your experiences. Journal down those things that God will drop into your spirit. Some days the heavens may be silent. That's okay. Some days you maybe ask yourself, is God even really there? That's okay. Write down those thoughts. Push through. Because there are times, listen, the teacher does not always, or the teacher cannot speak during a test. At school, a teacher doesn't speak during a test. There are going to be times of testing during the fast where the teacher's not going to speak. But you just got to keep going with the things that you know to do, to be. Number three, plot your course. I believe this is important. I know it's important for me. But Kelly says, I'm just type A control freak. No, we were watching something last night. She said, is that you? We were laughing. But that's how I am. I like to have a goal to set. So to me, I've already plotted my course. I'm going to go for five to seven days on a normal fast with just water and perhaps juice or broth. And then for the next 14 days, I'm going to do the Daniel fast. That's my plan. If I don't make it seven or five days, I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot and say, I've failed God. I'm just going to keep on going. And if you mess up, just pick yourself up and keep going. You know, don't bring yourself under bondage. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't put yourself, but plot your course. Have a predetermined plan of attack in the front of our journal. We have that laid out that you can set that out. But I will say this, set reasonable goals for yourself. But I will also add this. Stretch yourself. Go a little bit beyond. Number four, spend plenty time with God. Number five, have accountability. Have someone to encourage you and strengthen you. husbands and wives. Encourage each other. Don't sit there and complain about what you wish you could eat all night. Encourage each other. Strengthen each other. Pray with each other. That's why I love it corporately as a church, because it helps to know other people in the church are feeling the same things and going through the same struggles. Number six, enjoy the journey. You may not enjoy it so much when you go through it, but you're going to look back on it and realize it was days and steps that changed your life. Don't lose sight of the prize. Enjoy the journey. Number seven, drink plenty of water. You're going to get a lot of exercise running to the restroom. But drink plenty of water. Water is your best friend. If you're not filling yourself up with food, fill yourself up with water. But it's so healthy for you too. And last but not least, not to scare you, but to make you prepared. Be prepared for attack. Be prepared for an attack. Why? Because Satan knows what you're entering into is danger to him. If Satan doesn't attack you on this fast, then you can come back and tell me that fasting is a lie because Satan doesn't attack anything that does not have value or worth. There's value and worth through this that Satan is going to attack. Fasting is not only a season of sacrifice, it's also a season of increased warfare. Why? Because Satan wants to hold you back. He doesn't want you to release and realize the potential that God has for you. But You know what? Trust in God. Look to God. Because greater is He that is within you than he that is in the world. Come on, if you would right now, just take out that piece of paper. Perhaps, Aaron, you could come back and help me right now. Take out that piece of paper. And if you don't want to do it right now, that's fine. You can do it at the end of the service. There's a tape dispenser over there. You can tape it up on the wall yourself. You can do whatever you want. But I just want to encourage you. I believe those things that you're going to write down right now are just that important. There's some things that you can live without, but there's some things that you can't live without. And there's a cry, I believe, from many hearts today that say, God, I need you with everything that I have.